Hi, everyone. Welcome to Joey P. and Frank, NFL Week 5 edition. I'm Frank Fear. Well, Week 4 was a week of showdowns, and Week 5 looks to be exactly the same way. Joey will get to that in a minute, as teams find their place in the NFL scheme of things in 2021. Joey went 4-1 on his five games last week, missing on the Rams in their showdown with the Cardinals. And Arizona, by the way, looks like the real deal. The quarterback that many people question, Kyler Murray, is really coming through. But Joe was right on his other picks. The Bucks over the Patriots, Seahawks ahead of the 49ers, the Cowboys beating Carolina, and the Ravens winning on the road against the previously undefeated Broncos. And New York was the talk of the NFL as all three New York-based teams won. The Bills as expected, but in a shutout of the Texans, and both of the NYC teams, the Giants and the Jets, won for the very first time this year, both in overtime too. Green Bay continued to bounce back at the expense of the Steelers this time, as Pittsburgh has, hasn't been able to get their footing since that big opening weekend win in Buffalo. And the Raiders came down to earth, despite playing in front of a lot of their own fans in L.A. at the Chargers' new home field. It was a very interesting sight to see that. They were down by 21 at the half, rallied in the second, but still fell short against the Chargers. What's in store for week five? Well, Joe sizes up the NFL's first four weeks and then gives you the skinny on his week five picks, five of them, four plus one, with the one being the Ravens game, home against the Colts. Here's Joe Platania with all the details. Okay, well, thank you very much, Frank. Here we are. Can't believe it. It's episode nine as we preview week five of the NFL season. But before we do that, why don't we look askance back at week four, uh, a topic that seems to come up at every level of football, and for that matter, at every level of sports, too. And that's uh, sportsmanship and embarrassing somebody or running up the score or just doing something to show up the other team. That certainly came up with regard to the game involving uh, the team I've been uh, on the beat for for over a quarter century, the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, a lot of uh, words went back and forth between Baltimore and Denver regarding the Ravens' efforts at the very, very last second to extend their streak of 100-yard rushing games. Uh, it's, it bears, it bears uh, repeating, it bears noting that the Ravens would not have had a chance to do that were it not for Anthony Averett's interception in the end zone that gave Baltimore the ball back with a few seconds to go. Uh, Averett, by the way, filling in for the injured Marcus Peters, uh, defenders have only, our quarterbacks have only accrued a 42 passer rating throwing against Averett, so they got a good one there in the draft a few years ago. But anyway, Averett's interception gave Baltimore the ball back. They needed only a few yards to get 100 and to extend their streak and to tie the Pittsburgh record of 43 straight set in the mid-70s. So what they did was, once they got the ball back, they went for it, and that was that. Now, Vic Fangio, who used to work as a defensive consultant in Baltimore under both Brian Billick and John Harbaugh, had a few things to say about it, saying that it was BS and that he expected it from them. But this is a case where I don't really have a problem with what the Ravens did. Now, in high school and in college football, and I think even in the pros too, if you have a 40 to nothing lead and the starters are in and you're passing the ball in the fourth quarter, okay, that's not good. That would be showing someone up. That would be 
uh, a little too ruthless for my tastes, and I'm not into it. But what the Ravens were trying to do was just gain a few yards on the ground, try to extend a record, a tire record, basically, and uh, that's what they did. I'm not really sure that uh, Denver really has a lot of cause to be complaining here. As a matter of fact, they used all their timeouts when they were down by 16, and as John Harbaugh noted, there's no such thing as a 16-point touchdown to get you back in the game. So that was an issue that kind of flew back and forth between uh, two uh, two great football towns and two uh, fanatical fan bases. And uh, if Baltimore sees Denver again, when they see them again, may not be this year, but uh, you just know this sort of thing will come up. Now, again, it was a, a heck of a week of action all around the league, especially that Washington-Atlanta game. It went back and forth. I really don't think either team is going to make much of a dent in the playoff picture but uh, it was really something. And of course, Atlanta, they always seem to come out on the losing end of such uh, scoring uh, uh, back and forth, so, uh, the slugfests that they are. And uh, Washington, they had to win a slugfest because their defense, one of the best young defenses in the league, it really, really hasn't uh, come to fruition yet. And with the big start that Dallas has had and with the weakness of the division, it looks like Washington's defense is going to take it right out of the playoff picture. But uh, a lot of uh, really good games last week, and uh, something that I had been saying for a couple of years on local radio here has come to pass. The fact that this pandemic led to a, a greater uh, success for the road teams, that was, a, that was a false narrative because road teams were winning in 2019 when the fans were still around. Road teams were winning at a 49% clip. That bumped up only slightly last year to 50%, and right now it's over 50%. Road teams are 33 and 31, so the fans are back and the road teams are doing even better. So I don't see where all those quiet stadiums led to much of an advantage for the road teams because in recent years the teams on the road have been doing much, much better. But it's on to week five, uh, another terrific slate of games. So, Frank, why don't we jump into those? Yeah, you know, I was going to say one thing about uh, uh, that great intro you gave about week four. The thing that bothered me about what Fangio said was that something along the lines he expected Baltimore to do it. Uh, and he made references not veiled at all about the team culture. Uh, and so it, it, to me, it elevated it from, well, in terms of sportsmanship, you shouldn't do that, to uh, this is about the organizational culture at the Ravens. I was there. I expected it. And to me, that, was, that really was problematic. I agree with you, Joe. I didn't have any problem with all. I mean, you're right. It was set up by an interception and he took the ball and he ran. It shouldn't have been a big deal, but I was a little bit uh, taken aback by the way that uh, Fangio framed it. But the, be that as it may, you're right. It's uh, another week and it's another marquee week. And the first game you're going to talk about, Joe, is a game that I'm not sure we would be talking about uh, I know we wouldn't be talking about it uh, at the beginning of the season, but it makes sense to talk about it now. And that's Green Bay, Cincinnati. And it's because of the Bengals. So how do you see this game going? Yeah, you know, Green Bay has been part of the league's elite uh, for, as, for as long as anyone can remember. I can't, I, you know, I, I've been around a long time. I've been on this earth almost 58 years, birthday coming up. I'm, I'm surprised I reminded myself of that. But anyway, Green Bay, I think the last time they were really irrelevant was uh, maybe in the 70s or 80s. I mean, it was before Mike Holmgren showed up, that's for sure. And uh, now Green Bay is in, uh, encountering a new round of success. So, you know, this game wouldn't garner much attention 
outside of Cincinnati and Green Bay until now because and it's because of the Bengals. It's because they've come back to life. They've won two in a row. They're three and one. They've got a share of the lead in the AFC North. But uh, just as Denver did last week, Cincinnati is stepping up in class as far as opponent is concerned. Sure, they're going to be at home, but so was Denver last week, and you saw what happened. They were decisively beaten, and the Cincinnati home field environment is nowhere near as intimidating as Denver's can be. So I really think the Bengals are going to show – I think they're going to show well here. They're going to show that they've improved. I think they'll hang in there for, I'll say, two and a half quarters. I'll say midway through the third quarter, Green Bay will make whatever adjustments they had to make at halftime and pull away to a 10-point win. But uh, I, I think you're really going to see something from Cincinnati this week. And, uh, you know, it, it's Aaron Rodgers. You know, it, it's tough to defend him. He's now got 420 touchdown passes for the career, tied with Dan Marino for sixth all-time. Uh, Joe Burrow hopes he can get into that rather august category down the line a bit. But Cincinnati, uh, with that secondary that's always undergoing some kind of a, you know, a, a turnover in the offseason, they're always uh, turning over cornerbacks and safeties. Now they've got to deal with Aaron Rodgers. That could prove to be the difference in Green Bay's win here. But uh, Cincinnati has opened a few eyes around the league, and I think they'll open a few more this week. But eventually they're, they're not going to win that game. Let's go on to the second game. Uh, another, uh, you know, another game, Joey, that I'm not sure we would be talking about the way we're going to talk about today at the beginning of the season. Uh, it's the Los Angeles Chargers and those Browns from Cleveland. So what do you, what's your take on this one? Well, a bit of a historical note, first of all, back in 1995, midway through the season when Art Modell announced that the Browns would be moving to Baltimore. A bit later that season, which absolutely collapsed after that announcement, as you may remember, the Browns had a game in San Diego against this Charger franchise. Now, usually a team in the Eastern time zone, if they're going to go out west, instead of traveling on Saturday, they travel out on Friday. Well, things were so tumultuous in Cleveland with uh, the fans being so upset with the Browns and with Modell. They flew out to San Diego on Wednesday to prepare for that game. Very, very unusual practice there. And it didn't help because the Chargers blew them out. But uh, sometimes you just can't escape these things. But uh, Cleveland's going out there again. They got to the West Coast anyway, not San Diego. They're going to go play the Chargers, a team that is showing what they can do when they can be healthy. And that, that win that Dallas got over the Chargers is looking better and better all the time when you consider what the Chargers have been able to do since. Uh, a lot of people thought they would have trouble beating the Las Vegas Raiders, but actually they won that game rather convincingly, which was one of my 11 wins last week on the straight-up picks. I, I thought the Chargers were ready to take the Raiders down a peg or two, and they absolutely did. Meanwhile, Cleveland... They struggled with a Minnesota team that's uh, really kind of enigmatic. You don't know what you're going to get from them. Baker Mayfield, now we, see, we hear he has a torn labrum in his non-throwing shoulder, and he's playing through that with a harness. I don't know how he's doing that. But they did get that win over the Vikings, 14-7, but I think it portends a bit of a struggle for the Browns. Now they're going out west to play a fully healthy Charger team. I've got the Chargers winning this one 29-20. Uh, and uh, when you look at the way they dominated Vegas and a totally healthy Derek Carr, I think they're going to be able to do the same to Baker Mayfield. Uh, sure, Miles Garrett and that pass rush, they've been fearsome lately, but uh, Justin Herbert is really proving a lot of doubters wrong who thought coming out of the draft that he wouldn't really be able to handle the NFL life. But uh, the Chargers are on their way, and even though Kansas City's in that division right now, it's the Chargers that are the best team in it, and I, th- I think they're uh, about a level or two better than Cleveland here. Yeah, spot on. 
with respect to the Chargers, I was not a Herbert fan when he played collegiately at Oregon and didn't expect him to do much in the NFL, but he's showing that he might be the real deal. Watch that game last week, that first half. Uh, they manhandled the Raiders, uh, just absolutely manhandled them. So uh, that's, uh, I think, a good profile, Joe. That should be a, a very interesting game, a game I probably wouldn't watch, but I think I will watch uh, the Chargers versus Cleveland. Let's move on to a game that uh, we will watch for sure, uh, 49ers. But it's Arizona that has really stepped up. Uh, if I'm correct, they're the only undefeated team left in the league. Is that right? Am I right there? That That is correct. Wow. So give us the skinny on Arizona and the 49ers. Yeah, this game will be in Glendale, State Farben Stadium in Glendale, Arizona, host of a few Super Bowls in the past. And matter of fact, they're going to be hosting Super Bowl 57, uh, not this coming February, but the one after. So a lot of good things happening in the desert. Never thought I'd utter that sentence but anyway that's uh, what's happening there and san francisco well they're not trending very well and in this uh, nfc west to me it's the best division in football you cannot fall out of step or fall behind the pace for one second and that's what san francisco seems to be doing and after this game with arizona they're going to be heading for their bye week so it's a good time for them to heal up a little bit jimmy Gar- garoppolo has a calf strain he still might play against the cardinals but uh uh, maybe they would go with Trey Lance here. We'll have to wait and see about that. But Arizona, they're off to their best start in nine years. They've got three of their four wins on the road. So they're going to be happy to get back home to State Farm Stadium. And they just have a tendency to explode on offense when you least expect it. But when you have a guy like DeAndre Hopkins and you have guys like J.J. Watt on the other side of the ball getting the ball back for you, and, uh, and uh, A.J. Green, too, and Kyler Murray, would, he's been able to do a game that belies his uh, rather diminutive stature. He's about an inch taller than me, so that should tell you something. Uh, it, it, this should be a, another cracking, entertaining game and out in the football's best division. It's just that Arizona, they seem to be hitting on all cylinders right now. Uh, you know, the nature of the NFL, everybody's going to slump. But I don't think Arizona's going to do it in this spot. They'll win by about 10 or 11 points, and San Francisco can use the bye week and maybe they can get back into the NFC West race because San Francisco is not an untalented team. They'll be able to get back into it. But right now, I just think they're catching Arizona at the wrong time for both of them. Now we go on to a game that people have been looking forward to. The The Bills have bounced back from that surprising opening season home loss to the Steelers. We've seen what the Steelers have done since. Uh, and that makes that first week even more surprising. But now they're they're going up against uh, KC, repeat of last year's AFC championship game. Uh, Buffalo's like Baltimore. KC is the uh, the kryptonite, as you keep on saying. Um, your pick for a game that will have an awful lot of eyeballs on it this weekend. Yeah, I tell you what, uh, Buffalo's loss to Pittsburgh. It gets more head scratching as time goes on, especially it was at home. In Western New York, and I, you and I both know what, uh, what what kind of stuff goes on in Western New York when it comes to a Buffalo home game. This one's going to be an arrowhead. The fans are back. It's going to be noisy. It's going to be on uh, NBC. The whole country is going to be able to see it. And this is the uh, kind of game the N- <clears throat> excuse me the NFL had in mind when it came to awarding the Sunday night contract to NBC. Uh, most people think of Monday night as the night for primetime watching. But uh, ever since 2006, the league has tried to shift that emphasis away from Monday night, and Monday night doesn't get the good matchups as a result. But Sunday night has this one. 
Buffalo at Kansas City. And uh, Kansas City, they, you know, in last place in the AFC West for the first time in six years. Meanwhile, Buffalo, uh, they got four interceptions last week. They've had two shutouts. But the Chiefs have Andy Reid, 100 wins with two different franchises. No coach had ever done that before. And some guy named Patrick Mahomes, too, and is a veritable passel of weapons. Uh, Buffalo, they got Josh Allen, though. They got, they'll be able to exploit a Kansas City defense that seems to be rather feast or famine. They have a really nice pass rush they got going there. But if they can't get the pass rush going, it's, uh, it's kind of questionable in the back end. So yeah, you'll see a lot of points in this one. I think I had it 30-27. to 27, And I have the Chiefs winning only because it's going to go back and forth. Team with, the, team with the ball last is going to win. And for all the talk about Justin Tucker and his accuracy as the Baltimore field goal kicker, the second most accurate kicker of all time, is, he's in Kansas City. It's Harrison Butker at about 89%. So he's just about as reliable as Tucker has been. So I think uh, Butker will be able to make the difference in what should be a, an amazing, wonderful game for the entire country to see. Uh, now we go on to the last game, the four, four plus one, uh, the Baltimore game, which is the plus one. And you wrote something in the sports column this week. And again, we encourage the fans to go to the sports column and, and read Joe's work there that I didn't know. And I never would have guessed that the, that the Colts have been in Indianapolis longer than the Colts were in Baltimore. That would be a terrific trivia question. Uh, Joey, uh, let's talk about the game, Baltimore against Indianapolis in Baltimore. Yeah, 38 years uh, the Colts have been in Indy, 32 NFL seasons that the Baltimore Colts played here. I, I, I didn't include the All-America Football Conference, but even if you add that, it still wouldn't add up to the 38 years that the Colts have been in Indy. But uh, I'll tell you what, I know it's ancient history, but uh, Baltimore sports fans, you, you've heard that poem, well, little girls are made of sugar and spice and everything nice. Well, the Baltimore sports fan is made up of strong loyalties and long memories. And believe me, there will always be people here. I don't care if the whole generation, including me, dies off. There's always going to be some folks who will never, ever, ever forget what happened on the morning of March 28, 1984, or I should say the, the entire night that preceded it. But uh, be that as it may, uh, these two teams definitely heading in opposite directions. Uh, the, uh, the Ravens, uh, a banged-up team with a few uh, well-placed and high-profile injuries, as well as a COVID outbreak. It's slowly healing. This roster is getting back together again. Uh, while the uh, Indianapolis Colts, they had a defection, including Justin Houston, who's now in Baltimore, and a couple of other injuries, including T.Y. Hilton, uh, simply just not playing as well, especially on offense, as they're used to. So, uh, a team that I thought would do a lot better in one of football's worst divisions. Uh, they only got their first win last week, beating up on a Miami team that is head-scratchingly bad right now. But uh, we'll talk about the Dolphins some other week. Um, now, the, now the Colts go back to Baltimore, and that's funny to say, even after all these years, but it's basically what's going to happen. It's going to be a Monday night game. Uh, something that the fans still look forward to. Yeah, I know what I said earlier about the league trying to make Sunday night the big night of emphasis, but uh, old habits die hard. Monday night football is in, what, its 52nd year now, and uh, the Ravens have not been featured at home much on Monday nights. They've only had eight home Monday night games in Charm City. They're 5-3 and three in those games, and one of the losses was just last year. But uh, the folks here in Charm City, they love, they love that spotlight, and uh, they think they haven't really had that enough. But uh, uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens to see if they can make it 
a six and three record against the Indianapolis Colts. Another uh, another element to this occasion is the fact that the Ravens Ring of Honor will be getting a new member at halftime of this game, a defensive tackle Haloti Nada, who left in free agency and played in Detroit for a while, played in Philly for a while, but he retired as a Raven. He's going into the Ring of Honor, and when someone is inducted into the Ring of Honor, the Ravens are 10 and 2. So that's not enough to, to sway you one way or the other on this game. I don't know what else is. Um, Colts got off to a really poor start. Like I said, they only came to life against Miami. But Carson Wentz, his leadership was questioned in Philly. It's being questioned now. And when you consider his uh, his record against Baltimore, two starts, he's completed 52% of his passes. He's been sacked seven times, and he had a passer rating of about 68 between those two games. So, uh, I really don't like the Colts' chances here. I mean, they've been trying to run the ball more. That may have been what sparked them to life against Miami. They had 33 rushing attempts against the Dolphins. That was a season high for them, and that number's gone up every single week. So even though the Ravens have their entire defensive line back, which is very good run-stuffing line, the Colts are going to have to go that way because their receivers aren't going to scare anybody. Now on the other side of the ball, of course, everyone knows how much the Ravens can run. And the Colts have been very good at stopping that ever since the start of the 2018 season. That's 52 games from then to now. Indianapolis has only allowed four individual 100-yard rushing games, only four. And the twist on that is that all four of them were by Derrick Henry of the Titans. So uh, there's, there's no Derrick Henry on the Baltimore roster. They have to do it by committee because all their guys got hurt. But what's the real difference with Baltimore this year Lamar Jackson, everyone's been wondering, when is he going to turn into a passing quarterback and, and get more accurate and get the stronger arm and be able to fit, in, fit those balls into the tight windows? He's doing all of that this year. The improvement has been quick. It's been marketed, and it's been absolutely noticeable. Uh, when Denver crowded the box last week, he was throwing the ball all over the field, including that very photogenic 49-yard diving touchdown catch by uh, Marquise Brown. Uh, that ball traveled 60 yards in the air, which is the longest of uh, Lamar Jackson's career. And, of course, we all know the threat he has with his legs. So with that and, and with two more receivers coming off the COVID list, they might play this week, talking about Miles Boykin and the first-round pick, uh, Justin Bateman uh, from Minnesota, the first-round pick there. Uh, Rashad Bateman, sorry. Uh, it's, uh, it, it, there's a passel of weapons there, and John Harbaugh is a man who likes his options. Wide receiver has been the black hole of this franchise, but he's got more options there now than he's ever had, maybe more options than the Ravens have ever had. It's the only position on the field where the Ravens have never had a Pro Bowl representative. That would be wide receiver. Their drafting record's not that good, but maybe Bateman can change the narrative there. The Sam, Sammy Watkins leads a young receiving core, and Sammy Watkins is still in his late 20s, so you can still consider him somewhat young. But I just think the Ravens have too much health, too much depth, too much speed, just too much of everything. Uh, they showed it against Denver, and I think they'll show it against Indy as well. I have the Ravens winning, what was it, something like 30-17. to 17. And on many, many levels, including the obvious one I stated earlier, a satisfying, comfortable home win for Baltimore over the Colts. And, boy, that still sounds funny. We're at the point in the program where uh, we turn to you for your last thoughts. Any comments you want to make? And you always have them, and they're always very interesting. So, it's uh, the floor is yours. Well, thank you very much, Frank. And, you know, uh, we're starting back up with the international games this year on the NFL schedule. Uh, what was it? Atlanta and the New York Jets will be playing in London. 
uh, London's got to be wondering, uh, the, the great city of New York is represented by that? <laughs> the great NFL is represented by these two teams? Well, you know, it's a, it's a way to grow the game and to grow interest in the game worldwide. I know a lot of fans here really don't care what the rest of the world thinks. I, I, I'm kind of, uh, you know, lukewarm on that. I can, I can take it or leave it as far as uh, the international games go. Uh, I, th- I think the fans in Mexico City have always seemed a lot more receptive to it. The fans over in Tokyo, a few preseason games played there, they've been more receptive to it. I'm not so sure about the, the English. And, uh, you know, I, I love British culture and English culture. I watch a lot of uh, Premier League soccer, but uh, they've never really warmed to our game. I mean, they'll fill the seats just to say they were there, but they're going to go out there and watch the, the Falcons and the Jets and and then later on, they're going to go see the Jaguars again because they're contractually obligated to go over every year. So it, it's it's kind of a lukewarm thing in my mind. Maybe people love it. Maybe they don't. But uh, the, the London games are back. Only two of them this year, not four. So uh, so at least they're cutting down on that. But uh, it's, it's, uh, it's an interesting part of the NFL experience in the modern day. And, uh, <laughs> well, maybe maybe it'll continue. Maybe it won't. But either way... I won't lose any sleep over it. Do you see the NFL, say in our lifetimes, expanding to Europe uh, or some other location so that it's not just uh, a North American game? Uh, I had thought, if you'd asked me that about five years ago, I would say probably yes. I would say that they would, at first they would uh, play a Super Bowl over there to kind of take the temperature and then maybe have a team or two expand over there through relocation or expansion. I'm not so sure about it now, probably because, you know, maybe the adoration for the American game has hit a ceiling. I don't know if it can really get any more than what it is for one thing for another. I still don't see a Super Bowl being played over there. And the third thing, the third factor in my mind is COVID. I mean, it uh, it really changed a lot of routines in our country and in other countries, and it's put a lot of uh, plans on hold for businesses to do anything overseas. Uh, not just in England, but anywhere, as when it comes to traveling and and possible infection and things like that. So a lot of factors are contributing uh, to the slowing down of this international thing. So uh, five years ago, I would have said, yeah, I would have said there would be a Super Bowl plate over there and and there would be a team or two over there. I'm not so sure about that now. And again, if it never happens, I'm fine with that. Thanks, Joe. Let's do a summary of the five picks of the week to close out the program. Green Bay 30, Cincinnati 20, Los Angeles Chargers 29, Cleveland 20, Arizona over San Francisco 34-23. In the much-anticipated Sunday night game, you have the Chiefs over the Bills by 3, 30-27. And to close out the week, Monday night game, Baltimore 30, Indianapolis 17. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We certainly hope you'll join us again next week. This is Frank Fear for my colleague, Joe Flatania. And as we always say, remember to be good sports. Take care, everyone. A tug of war, 22 nameless men grappling in the mud. They called it 